Hi, welcome to the Lockdown Seahawks podcast. You are with Grant Goldberg and Spike Friedman. You are going to get a kind of jam-packed show today. There's game recap, there's a retirement of a Seahawks legend, and then you have, of course, our daily position battles. But before we get into the good stuff, we'll do a quick intro of the co-hosts. I'm Grant Goldberg, I co-host this Locked on Seahawks podcast, and I do social media and graphic design work for SB Nation's Lakers site, and Spike is a writer with a stranger, and uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulties, we would have had this show out uh, on Monday, but uh, we got past them and we're recording tonight to get you your daily Seahawks content. Spike, how pumped are you to get this content out? We always got to pitch the tent. I am super pumped. Guys, we are so close to me doing these podcasts from my car. So get excited (laughs) for that. Get excited for Road Rage Friedman, uh, especially when Road Rage Friedman has to talk about Jermaine Effetti, because that's the only real, that's the only way to harness my feelings about Jermaine Effetti is to be on the 405 in traffic. <laughs> it's the only possible way to get to the core of what it's like to watch Jermaine Effetti block for Russell Wilson. As as slow as traffic moves on the 405, that's how slow Effetti is getting off the snap. Oh, uh, boy. Oh, boy. I was, I, I was just sifting through the traffic comparisons, but that's just the one I landed on. There's a lot more that I could have went with that just went totally the opposite way. But, uh... Yeah, I think, let's see, we'll get into the game content first, just because uh, I feel like it's more time-sensitive. We're going to do it pretty quickly. We're going to go over a few things that we saw from the game that stood out to us. And I'll start with uh, talking about the first-team offense. Obviously the most important thing uh, coming out of the game, besides health of the entire team. Uh, I thought the team opened up the game looking pretty sharp. There was a few points, obviously, that were drawbacks. Carson fumbling the ball, the block in the back that was kind of soft on Will Disley, and then obviously Jermaine Effetti, uh, like we mentioned before. But Russell Wilson looked sharp. Jerron Brown looked really sharp. And uh, David Moore had a, a, a couple of standout plays back-to-back. And I, I just think there's a lot to like from this first-team offense. I, there's, I, I guess, simultaneously as the game's happening – Seahawks Twitter, Seahawks fans are slowly buying into what Brian Schottenheimer can bring to this offense. It was just so weird saying it now in August compared to when he was hired back in January. But, you know, there's there's been enough positives to, to draw some optimism from it. But uh, with the positives came the drawbacks. Like I said, the, the fumbles, the uh, play by Effetti, and, and just the kind of... I'd, I'd say the offense kind of tempered down as they progressively got out there for more drives. I think they played six drives, the first-team offense, and uh, they stalled out on, I think, the last three. Ha- didn't really even move the ball. So, you know, I, I guess overall is pretty positive. You saw some good things. You wanted to see flashes of you know competency from the offense, and I think that's what we saw. And uh, there's going to be drawbacks this season. I think we've talked about that a lot this off season, the the pessimism has been a, a large theme, but you know I I, I think uh, there's going to be a good mixture. Well, I, I guess good or bad mixture of uh, of positives and negatives. Yeah, I think I think what I can boil down the Brian Schottenheimer experience to because I think you, I think your talent evaluation in terms of the players on the field is spot on. I think with Schottenheimer, we've talked about it in the past that what he's best at 
uh, based on his track record is building relationships between quarterbacks and wide receivers and maximizing good quarterbacks, uh, getting the most talent out of maybe a varied receiving core. And we're already seeing that with Russell Wilson, which is great. The big question is, can he call a game well? And we're not seeing that yet. We're seeing, although, you know, that Will Disley hold, it, it's so close to yeah. looking very different in terms of what that first team offense was able to do. But play calling is an art. And we know some guys are better at it than others, even if, you know, they're good at constructing an offense. Say, like, Kyle Shanahan is both good at constructing an offense, but what he's proving late is that he's also very good at calling a game. Someone like, um, I don't know, Mike McCarthy, I think, is the example of a head coach who can build an offensive infrastructure, maximize his QB talent, but then when it comes to games, doesn't necessarily maximize uh the way the flow of the game doesn't necessarily use his talent in the best way. Uh, so with Schottenheimer, the fear is that he's a Mike McCarthy type. Um, you know, he's obviously got a much more varied offense. This is more in like a general ethereal sort of like what they're good at, what they're bad at, not in terms of style or specificity in terms of play calling. Uh, but we haven't seen anything to dissuade those fears, but also we've seen plenty in just two preseason games that suggest that what Schottenheimer is good at, he is bringing to the Seahawks. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how he calls the Super Bowl in comparison to these two preseason games. Or the NFC title game, you know? Yeah, just every every game leading up to the Super Bowl even. But, uh, Spike, was there any other players maybe on the defensive side of the ball that stood out to you uh, in this Seahawks-Chargers preseason game? Yeah, I, I mean, again, Rasheem Green is just popping off the screen. Uh, he's getting involved in the run game. His pass rush from interior locations look good. He picked up one of his sacks uh, from, I guess, probably a three-technique spot, it looked like. I'm not going to lie, I didn't look at the all-22 cameras. I'm not 100% sure on that. But he was not the edge rusher on the play, so he might have been a five-tech. Uh but he was able to use his hands, get leverage from the inside, which is great to see. We've seen him speed rush from the outside, although, again, that was in that first game against that sort of second-string Colts offensive line. Uh, this Chargers offensive line is uh, pretty good, and both, you know, Philip Rivers is a vet, so he knows how to elude a rush. And then Geno Smith, for all the things that are bad about Geno Smith, and Cardell Jones, for all the you know lack of NFL experience they've shown. They're both mobile guys who are good at escaping pressure. Uh, and in this case, hey, uh, Green got to him again. Uh, he had double-digit sacks last year at USC. The question was, is he raw? He doesn't look raw. Like no. his hand... Like, when I think about raw pass rushers, I think about a lack of hand fighting skill, a lack of technique in terms of the upper body. Yeah, His upper body looks good. Uh, I mean, he might not bend the edge like Cliff Averill, but that's not the mold that we're asking him to fill. We're asking him to fill that sort of hybrid DND tackle position. That and, and, we've, and we've seen him do that. We've seen him bend yep. the edge this preseason. Yeah, that's true. I mean, not like Cliff Averill. Right. Like really bend the edge. But like, yeah, we've seen him be competent on the outside as sort of a speed rush. So, yeah, I mean, like, in terms of value uh, in the round to get a pass rusher who looks like this, who looks this versatile and this impactful, it feels really good. It feels like a real yeah. positive, and it feels like something we're seeing week in and week out. We're seeing it in training camp. You know, uh, 
obviously the games real games haven't started yet but there's plenty of reason to reason for optimism and i mean you know you can look up and down the draft board there's plenty of reasons for optimism but like we have to hit on green like green's got to be legit we've shown so much resources at the d-line gotta be legit yeah and um i like p carroll even said you know all of his sacks and all of his pressures have come from technicality and you know hand fighting and that's really good i think it was uh i think it was matt brown maddie brown on twitter who was talking about if you know all these are coming from hand fighting that's really good for his development which is you know exciting it's it's exciting to have a good prospect and if if these shows that we're doing and this preseason is any indicator of uh, what's going to go on this season is that Rasheem Rasheem Green's going to be a big contributor and we're going to be talking about him a lot which is a good thing and I'm excited for the future and um and I and, and this is being said with you know all this uh how jaded I've been on the defensive line I guess we have been as a show given that there's a lack of depth and the injuries that they have already and the departures from this offseason, but Rasheem Green could be the the diamond in the rough for the Seahawks' uh, defensive line. Uh, I think I think that does it for this game recap. It was really quick, and uh, we might revisit it later on this week, but uh, there's a lot to talk about, so stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more Locked On Seahawks from the Locked On Podcast Network. Punt network. It's a punting network. We are back with the next portion of today's episode of Locked on Seahawks podcast. and We talking you know, punters yet, Grant? I want to talk punting. We're talking punting. Oh, and, yes. you know, it might not be the punter that, uh, that we've been talking about all, all preseason, all offseason. It's John Ryan. And yeah. we, we record this show with heavy hearts. John Ryan asked for his release from the Seahawks yesterday. Um... I don't I don't know where to start with John Ryan. He's an exemplary not exemplary player uh in the NFL on the, off the field. He's a great guy in the locker room. All around good guy. Just I I'm I'm sad to see him off the team. Obviously, you know, there's an upgrade at the punter position, but you know, when when it comes when it boils down to quality of person, quality of teammate, guys you want on your roster, John Ryan's at the top of the list. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was a consistent, above-average punter for a full decade for the team while being a leader on and off the field. He had a a bunch of amazing plays. You know, I mean, he threw a touchdown pass in an NFC title game. It was the first points. It was the first points in the game, and it was John Ryan who discount double-checked the Green Bay Packers. I, uh, yeah, against it was it was that classic John Ryan to Gary Gilliam uh, connection that we all knew would be the future of the team. I mean, football is a, is a sport where you don't get continuity, you don't get to fall in love with a player and have them last a decade very often. Uh, just it, it, it's brutally competitive and it's brutally hard on people's bodies. I mean, even Ryan took some monster hits. He took a concussion uh, even as a punter on a fake punt. You know, like. It is a brutal physical game, and we saw this year how often you can lose vets and how quickly your heroes can go away. And Ryan was around for a long time, made a yes. great impact on the team, the community. He played for three coaches. He w- and and the whole t- you know he was never the best punter in the league, but he was always consistently above average. Honestly, until like his final season where he slipped as far as average, and you know and. 
Now the team has a wonderkind, uh, but it doesn't change the fact that John Ryan was the guy who made the team go for, or made the special teams go anyway for our Super Bowl. Yeah, and like uh, everybody on that Super Bowl team, it, you know, you can be mad when they leave under bad circumstances or whatever. Obviously, Ryan isn't that. This is totally fine, but. They won us a Super Bowl, and that's the most you can ask for for a player. John Ryan did it with class. He did it with skill. Yeah, love him. Love John Ryan forever, for yeah, always. It was Punter was never a position of worry. Uh, we never had to sweat when he came on the field. and He gave us comfortability. He gave us a lot of you know laughs, whether it be on Twitter or you know having him outrun some Green Bay Packers and, and shot put a ball into the end zone for a touchdown. Um. Yeah. I. I. Obviously, I'm excited about Michael Dixon. Who, if anybody isn't, you know, they're just playing crazy. I made a hype video today about Michael Dixon. Um, yeah. But yeah, I. I just. I. I'm. I'm glad that he's leaving on his own terms, and you know, he can sign elsewhere. He. He can still play. He can still you know punt the ball. You know, Hopefully, he ends up in Buffalo with Hauschka. I mean, they their punter just uh, blew his That's knee right. or Achilles or something. I mean, it makes a lot of sense for them to get a veteran in there who they can trust and be consistent. And presumably, Ryan will be able to you know sign for the veteran minimum, and that would be I think it would be a great fit for both the player and the team. And you know, with Hauschka there, hey, that's great. Yeah, don't hey, don't count on anything. Um, <laughs> I, I promise you, I'll never count out anything. Espe- especially with John Ryan. Um, no, it, I'm thinking about it, and uh, it, it just came to me. I wouldn't say it's a lock, or you know, it, there's even probably greater than fifty percent chance. But uh, we could see John Ryan's name in the Ring of Honor one day. I think that'd be pretty fun. Uh yeah, know, maybe. I well, I. I wonder, I wonder, um, I don't know. I 10 years as a Seahawk, you had some iconic moments. I don't, they, the Seahawks went and, and labeled him a, a Seahawks icon on the alert when they yeah, announced his release. I feel, I feel like he'll raise the flag a few times. Honestly, Ring of Honor, like, he wasn't an all-pro. He was, ah. Uh, He's an all-pro I don't guy. Want, I don't, this isn't the time for me <laughs> to do that. Let's Put him in the ring, and uh, and when it actually comes time to have that conversation, I'll raise my qualms. But for right. today, put him in the ring. I don't need to be that guy. All right. See, now we've we've had a the Cam Chancellor debate. We've had you know other debates. Yeah, but we'll, so we'll right leave this. That. We'll leave this alone. Oh man, but but John Ryan, salute to John Ryan. Uh, well, I, and and before we leave punt time, because uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about it. Oh my God, Michael Dixon. Michael that Dixon. Pre- Oh, also, we should say Jason Myers was cut. So yeah. the special teams is, is codified now. We are looking at a Janikowski and Michael Dixon. We're looking old and young. We're looking 47-year-old man and 12-year-old Australian wonder boy. And uh, what is the secret to Michael Dixon's power? You know what I mean? That's the real question asked by Tenacious D of the wonder boy. You know what? I couldn't have said it better myself because I don't even really know what you just said right now. Uh, <laughs> do you not? Are you not familiar with the band Tenacious? No, theme? I am. I am. I just I didn't follow where you were going with this whole thing. They had a song called Wonder Boy. See, I, I watched the movie. I uh, I've listened to a couple songs, but I don't. I don't By the know way, if... wait, wait. Oh man, I don't. I don't mean to do this. To you. What year were you born, Grant? I was born in nineteen ninety-seven. So Wonder Boy came out when you were five years old. Nice. 
Yeah. I went I went to uh Tenacious D concert in Long Beach in 2002, the year that came out, so I was uh 16-17, nice. something like that. <laughs> you were 5 years old. Hey, uh man. Yeah, that was a Tenacious D opening for uh Jimmy Eat World and Weezer. Great concert. It sounds like Shout a great concert. Shout out to Weezer back before they- yeah, it was Weezer on the Green album, so they had they had like taken a step down, but they weren't garbage yet. Ah, oh, so good. I I so don't good. know I don't know where that that just puts us in the position of dating each like like dating you like as a a, a mid early thirties guy and me as an early twenties guy. Yeah, yeah. But, early thirties. Uh, don't watch yourself. I was, I was gonna say mid to late, but I uh, I remembered we haven't been doing this podcast for over a year, so. So we're good. We're, we're we're creeping out of there. Um so now that we've uh explained, you know, Tenacious D more in depth and uh Tenacious special teams, we'll we'll move on to the last segment of the show. So make sure you stay tuned for our next position battle of the day. Who are we going to talk about? I don't know. You got to keep listening to find out. So uh stay tuned for more Locked on Seahawks on the Locked on Podcast Network. Welcome back to the final portion of today's episode of the Locked on Seahawks podcast. We are finishing this out. You are still with Grant and Spike. We are going to uh, talk about our daily position battle. And this week, well, we're starting it out with wide receivers. And uh, this is kind of the week to do it. Fresh off a a game where we had some pretty standout performances. Um, I'll give the floor to Spike first. Who do you see making the team from the wide receiver position group? Yeah, so I think Doug Baldwin is 100%, obviously. Uh, I think Tyler Lockett is right behind him at like 99.9% going to make the roster. Uh, I think Jerron Brown has, you know, both his contract and his really good play, uh, both in training camp and the preseason games, has gotten him pretty close to that lock status. I think it's 98 point something percent. And uh, the way Pete Carroll has talked about Brandon Marshall and the way he's looked in training camp, even if he hasn't really flashed in the preseason games, suggests that he's going to make the roster as well, which sort of leaves two spots left, maybe one, maybe two. Um, And I think the way that David Moore has played is makes him the, obvious clear front runner for one of those last two spots um the other guy amara darbo hasn't gotten on the field enough but they invested a big pick in him last year uh obviously they think a lot of him or thought a lot of him but he hasn't he hasn't really made a huge impact yet so i think it's going to come down to him uh i think tanner mcavoy's gone i think caleb scott's gone i think Blake turner's gone i think marcus johnson's gone i don't think keenan reynolds is going to make the team i think it's going to come down to demore stringfellow uh amar darbo or cyril grayson i think Grayson's speed and his ability to make an impact in the special teams game gives him an edge if the team decides to pass on Darbo. I still, I'm going to make the safe choice and say that Darbo is going to get that sixth spot, though. Yeah, um, I, I, we came into the segment and I was thinking we'd probably have a pretty similar list, and you know, it turns out we do. Um, okay. I, Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett, definitely locks. Uh, Jerron Brown's definitely solidified his role on the team. Brandon Marshall, you only hear rave, rave things about him, and I think 
there's probably like a good 75% chance I'll give them to make the roster, uh, which is a lot more than when I initially thought when they were signing him. Um, I think David Moore has played his way onto the team. He was a guy that you know, a lot of people were high on last year, and and certainly there's a lot of buzz about him in in this off season and this preseason. He's he's shown it, and you know I'm I'm hoping that he gets a little a little bit more uh, exposure in this third preseason game, and we get to see a little bit more of an expanded role for David Moore, just to see a little bit, uh, I guess more of what he can offer. Uh, and then it comes down to Amaro Darbo, who I think. They've, they've invested a lot in him, and I think that they're not quite ready to give up on him yet or admit they're wrong on him. And so I think they, they ride it out one more season with him at least, but it would not surprise me to see uh, him gone by the end of the year. Um, he just needs to get on the field and, and show why he's on the team. If not, then it's going to make it an easy choice for Pete Carroll and John Schneider when it comes down to it, whether it be during the season or uh, next offseason. Uh, as for Keenan, yeah, as for Keenan Reynolds, I'll talk about it really quick because I've been high on him this offseason. I think that's a guy that they try to get on the practice squad. Uh, they've, yeah. they've talked really highly about him. Pete Carroll's went as far to call him special. I know he's an optimist, but uh, I, that's a pretty big, significant, significant word for me when describing a player. And so I think that he definitely has capabilities to be on the practice squad. He was a special teams contributor uh, throughout this whole preseason. So I, th- I think. Uh, I think they would like to keep him around, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, another team nabbed him up. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, um, Darbo. so Darbo. Yeah. Uh, there's. It's easy to draw a parallel between him and Procise, but we haven't seen from Darbo the upside the Procise brings. Yeah. You know what I mean? We also haven't seen the honestly him miss real games the way Procise has. So it's tough to call him quite so injury prone. But, right. like, Darbo hasn't flashed that highly yet. I, I'd say the, uh, the biggest also, point... Also, I, I just want to yeah. say, Procise looked good in that preseason game. And he had crazy eyes going. He had sort of those Kristen Michael crazy eyes or uh, even Thomas Rawls sort of crazy eyes, yeah. which suggests that he's still got the physicality. He still yeah. wants it. I like to see that from Procise. If we're talking running back battle, which we already talked about, Procise, for me, what he showed in that preseason game, even if he wasn't perfect... Show he looked like he was going to make this team. He looked like running back number three to me. Um, I, I you you mentioned it going into the game, and it was something I was looking out for watching it because I, I thought it was a good point, and it's the mental aspect for Precise. And you know he had the shiftiness, he had the toughness, he took his hits, and uh, he looked ready to go. So you know here's hoping that he stays healthy. Um, going back to Darbo a little bit, I think the highest points in last season was him almost making play on a ball the the what if plays that yeah. you know were so close to being completions or big plays that was the extent of his you know I think I guess that was his high point last season and uh that's probably I mean I wouldn't say it's damning for uh, a pick as high as Darbo but you know it's definitely not what you want and you know here's hoping that he is able to stay on the field and he's able to make an impact on this team or else it's going to be kind of another stinker from Pete Carroll and John Snyder in the draft. Yeah, and again, I, I, damning feels strong, which I think yeah. you're admitting, just in that it, he was a rookie wide receiver and not taken in the first round. You can't expect a guy like that to be amazing right away. Who, who didn't play a lot of football in his whole life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, again, the fact that we're talking about him, I, uh, 
there are other guys. There are other guys who are nipping at his heels. Marcus Johnson, Stringfellow, Grayson, uh, Keenan Reynolds. I think those are the four, if any of them. But none of them are great. Like the, Again, the roster depth isn't what it has been in years past. None of those guys have, have really elbowed their way in. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I think it's going to be interesting. I think we know who the headliners are going to be. And I think it's going to be fun to see that last guy or two is going to be in this group. Yeah, and it's it's definitely going to be disappointing to see David Moore get Cason Williams. Um, yeah, no, I don't think he will. But again, I I, I don't think he will either. Uh, but uh, I just I just have to draw back this this excitement uh, that we have. We have to be uh, leveled out. I think there isn't the guy, right? Is there? Is he? Is no, he? I don't I don't think I think he's clearly supplanted himself above uh, Darbo and above. Uh, uh, above the rest of the crop when you're talking about camp guys yeah 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 okay good yeah. good 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 all right we're on the same page um yeah I, I think that does it unless you have anything to drop or uh to talk about regarding wide receivers or any other position group no no i feel great i feel great all right so now that you're done listening to this locked on seahawks podcast what you guys need to do if you're you know finding yourself wanting more uh nfl content you can definitely head over to the Locked On NFL podcast. It has a great lineup of guests, and there's daily content being put out over there. So if you want to just a, a bigger uh, view on the league itself, then I definitely suggest you go over and listen to the Locked On NFL podcast. Uh, as for this show, you know we want to thank you guys for listening to it. You know, first of all, um, always leave five star reviews. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter. Let us know what we can do better. What you like from the show. You know, we always like to hear feedback. Uh, I I think that covers it from my end. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one more thing out there. All if you're right. still listening, you love the podcast. You're connected with a local business in Seattle. Who you think people should hear about on this podcast? Let us know. You know, hey, if you work at a great pizzeria, we've talked pizza on the podcast before, right? Yep. Yeah. If you, yeah, let us know because we want we want podcast sponsors that are pizzeria. We want to connect the people with the pizzas or whatever, or any other product, but mostly pizzas, but any product, but mostly pizzas. Yeah. We're, we're big fans of pizzas. It, it, we, it was a debate, you know, coming to name this podcast when we took over, uh, it was either locked on pizza pie or locked on Seahawks and it was a razor thin margin. Yeah. I I thought passion of the crust was a good idea, but (laughs) Hey man, (laughs) Uh, that's a joke that my friends I've been making for. I just stole that from my buddy. I, I was like, yeah, that that was way too fast. For, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was like, all right, either that's a really great performance by Spike, or he just had one in the holster ready to go. It was so, ready to go. It was ready to go. Just like a hot and ready pizza. So uh, if you uh, <laughs> have any kind of business, any pizza joint, reach out to us, let us know, and we'd be happy to advertise on the show. Um, yeah. And also, I mean, while we're at it, we're going to be setting up a Google Voice account to, for you guys to call into uh, so you can talk and, and possibly be featured on the show. Uh, it's a great way to send your questions in and, and reach out to us. So uh, look out for, the, for for that in the coming days, and we'll, we'll definitely provide updates and, and try to make use of that cool new feature that the whole Locked On NFL network is, uh, is taking advantage of. Yeah, yeah. do it. All right, so for the Locked on Seahawks podcast, I'm Grant Goldberg signing off. And I'm Spike Friedman, also signing off.